Because you're well, actually, I, I, let, before we yes. start with proper questions, this is actually yes. a question I've got for you. Because you know, much, much as uh, I'm aware of you, because you're, you know, you're omnipotent in the social media world, I don't know, we've never <laughs> met, we've, we've not met before. No, no we haven't. So this is kind of exciting for me. And, and um, I've always wondered how you made the switch, how you made the switch from, from ah. clinician to, you know, where you are now. Yeah, so kind of necessity, really. Um, so I, I worked in marketing and PR before I trained to be a podiatrist. So I got my marketing background in before I kind of even heard about podiatry. Um, but then I got going in podiatry, teaching at Huddersfield, running my own private practice, worked a little bit in the NHS. And then I got married to a soldier. And being a clinician and a military wife do not go together, let me tell you. Um, so we move house pretty much every 12 to 18 months and doing that. And you can't do that and have a clinical business. And you certainly mm. can't do that and just keep applying for clinical jobs, especially when you're living in Turkey and Pakistan and Jamaica and all over the place. It just doesn't work. So it was out of necessity. I literally was like, right, what can I do online using my skill set? I know healthcare, I know marketing and PR. Put the two together. That was it. <laughs> Amazing. That's awesome. Yeah, I'd imagine being somewhere for a year at a time doesn't, it's not conducive to building a, 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 big, a busy clinical list, is it? Um, it's not at yeah. all. It's soul destroying. I love it. I love moving around and meeting new people. But from a business, even from running, so when I first started, I started running a marketing consultancy, which was great. But again, every time you move a huge new geographical place, you've got to start all over again with networking. And so mm. that didn't work either, which is why I took it online. Yeah, it's tricky. It's a tricky one. I guess that's the beauty of the internet, though, isn't it? I mean, you, as long as you're connected, you, you, you can work yeah. from anywhere. Or co- work that's from right. Anywhere. So I've just, I've Cost literally just come back. <laughs> Costa Coffee, which is where I spend my life, because my internet at home is rubbish. Um, but the yeah, so I've just come back from two months in Nepal, literally in the jungle in Nepal, working in a leprosy hospital, and I could run my business from there. Amazing. So still see, seeing yeah. patients, seeing patients there, were you? Or? <gasps> that was scary. Yes. I <laughs> yeah, was, I'd been there too. It was. I hadn't picked up a scalpel since 2005. And they asked, I was there day two, and they asked me to amputate a toe. <laughs> <laughs> so that was interesting. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, I got hands on. I was treating patients, which wow. was interesting. Yeah, I've not, I've not held a scalpel for well over a decade. I could think I could probably amputate a toe. But not it's this. like everybody said to me before I How went, it's like be, riding right? a bike, you'll be fine. Yeah, yeah exactly. How hard can it be? Cut it off, you can't go wrong. Um, yeah. Excellent. Yeah. It was the suturing. I couldn't remember how to suture. That was the problem. <laughs> <laughs> so who have we got? We've got Diane, we've got Tim, we've got uh, Graham, Emma Cowley, Veronica Newton. Hello to everyone. Hello, hello. About 27 people. Should we, should we crack on? Yeah, no, let's get started. Excellent. So, uh, oh, just, that's, that's, a, that's a timely question. Someone's just, in has just posted, hi, folks, what today, what's today's chat about? So on that Yay, note, we may as well, love it. Uh, may as well get <laughs> Today's chat is about, is with Jill Woods, uh, and it's about marketing and social media. And uh, I guess one of the early questions we're going to come to is whether we should delineate those, you know, when, when is something marketing and when's it social media, which we'll get to shortly. Um, one of the questions that came through quite a lot, and I think this is uh, quite reflective of podiatrists or healthcare professionals, is that the term marketing doesn't always sit well. It feels a bit dirty. Um, 
a friend, good friend of mine is a big Bill Hicks fan. Uh, the comedian, he, he does a whole skit on if you're in marketing, kill yourself. So, you know, it's, it's not, not particularly a, a popular word. What, what, what do you see it actually means, Joe? What does, what does marketing mean and why do we perceive it as being so sort of um, uncomfortable as health professionals? Okay, so there is a, there's a saying in marketing that marketers ruin everything. So every great in sort of communication platform that we've ever had in history, marketers have come along and ruined it. And it's because of its reputation for being sleazy, cheesy, pushy, salesy, all of those things. And we've kind of grown up with that. And we've kind of learned that that is what marketing and sales is all about. Um, I really want to flip that right on its head and say in healthcare, there is nothing more ethical that you can do than market your practice well. Okay, because if you can do your marketing well, you're going to connect with more people, which means you're going to attract more patients, which means you're going to change more people's lives. Okay, so that is the way I would look at marketing. Yes, historically, you may have had bad experiences, but if you're in your practice, you choose how you do it. You don't have to be pushy, cheesy, salesy, sleazy. You can be all not of any of those things. Okay, Mm. but it's your duty to market your practice well so that you can reach out and connect with and help more and more and more patients because people out there need your help and it's going to improve their quality of life. So that would be my flip to the cheesy, sleazy, salesy thing. And and marketing, yeah, absolutely. Marketing, uh, people sort of think it's sort of, they align Mm. it with selling. I mean, I consider myself to do a lot of, a lot of marketing online, um, self-promotion, et cetera. This, this could be arguably described as that, what we're doing now, but I've never sold a single thing online. So Mark, Mm. why why do people believe that marketing is, is equal selling? Where does that sort of myth come from? Well, because often people market to you because they want to sell to you. All right. So you look at all the TV adverts, they're marketing. They want you to go to the supermarket and buy the latest spaghetti bolognese or whatever it is. And that's the association that we make is that people are only going to come and try and market to us when we want to buy something. Now, this is the old model. Okay, so the old model is a push model of marketing, which is where you push out a sales message. Come and buy my latest thing. I've got a special offer on buy one, get one free. We've got a sale on all of those marketing messages traditionally were transaction orientated. And that's why we are all conditioned, sorry, conditioned to connect marketing with sales flip that completely the internet came along and changed everything and now it's all about pool marketing and it's about attracting people towards you so often much of what we put out now is nothing to do with selling a product it's about helping people to get to know us like us and trust us before we get anywhere near selling anything mm. yeah um and and so let's talk about social media when well is 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 social media marketing or are they different beasts no absolutely so marketing is huge anybody who saw my instagram post before or my facebook post this is what's huge marketing is huge so there are traditionally there were five p's when i trained in marketing there were five p's we now have seven p's in marketing um, and so you need to remember and somebody posted something really a message to me very recently and said oh my goodness jill i never realized that marketing wasn't just advertising Okay, so when you're marketing in your practice, this is everything that comes under the umbrella of marketing, your people, the products that you sell, 
the processes that you have, that it means those processes that engage with your patients, the place you do business, that's both online and offline, the prices that you charge, the promotion, which is the thing that everybody thinks is advertising, and then physical evidence, which is one of the new ones, which is all about social proof and proving that you can do what you say you can do. So all of those things. So anytime you're working on pricing, anytime you're training your staff how to interact with your patients, anytime you're looking at product development or developing your services, all of that comes under the umbrella of marketing. It's huge. So in there, in the mix is social media. So social media is just a very very small part of a very big pie if that makes sense mm, yeah absolutely so i mean if we're on social media we're we're marketing ultimately whether we like uh, to admit yeah. it or not but, yeah. okay so here's here's the thing that i want to be very clear from the outset so there's a cycle in marketing there's a cycle you need to take your pa- potential patients and p- patients through in sales it's a funnel but it, i see it as a cycle so the, the cycle goes no like trust try buy repeat refer okay and that is the cycle you're wanting to take your potential and patients through and the first three are no like and trust and this is where social media reigns supreme it enables people to get to know you decide if they like you and then also decide if they trust you now two of those things like and uh, sorry no and like are nothing to do with your clinical expertise they're nothing to do with your research evidence base it's all about you as a person and that's where social media has been so powerful because social media is about being you as a person and being sociable and that is why those it it really is powerful and fuels those first two elements of that cycle does that does that it does it does it feeds in nicely to another question that came in which is um I think from what I gather, the way it's, uh, the way it's been worded, someone who, who doesn't do social media. Okay. So uh, two, two sort of two questions that were very similar. One was I'm a, I'm a bit of a technophobe. So, you know, how do I start? That's a big question. Let's leave that till a bit later on. This yeah, one let's, is, can we come back to that? Cause I've got a couple yeah, of ideas around that one. Okay. And, and that's a big one. Uh, kind of on that vein is, is I guess someone in the same boat thinking, I don't really want to do this. It sounds like a bit of a pain. So the question was, what's the genuine downs you know we talk about the benefits what, what i guess what are the what's the downside in 2018 if i'm a private practitioner yes. and i just don't want to do social media because i don't like okay. it don't understand it whatever whatever reason yeah. what are the genuine downsides how is someone uh, handicapping themselves in the current market okay so there's 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 a reasonable sort of smattering of answers to this question so but what i want to say first and foremost is that you are a local business okay of podiatry practices are local businesses and it's your duty to raise your profile in your local area. Now, some of that is going to be offline, obviously. Some of that is going to be online. Okay, so I just want to make that point. What I'm not here to do is absolutely sell my soul to the social media devil. Um, I'm putting putting social media in the mix, in the marketing mix. Okay, now if you're not going into social media, there's a number of things you're fundamentally going to be missing. Primarily, social media is the most powerful communication tool for connecting you with people we have ever had in history. If you're not using it, you're turning your back on the power of that tool. That's number one. Yeah. Number two, you're going to be handing the advantage in this arena to your competitors. If you back away, 
And I say, I'm not saying you have to do it, but if you do back away, you've got to acknowledge that what you're doing is handing the control on social media over to your competitors. So that's number two. Um, number three, you're not going to be meeting people's expectations. So, so many people now, I get so frustrated if I go online. I went to somebody's website today and I wanted to connect with them and I went on their website and there was nothing. There was no social media. I couldn't find, I searched on social media, couldn't find them and I got so frustrated. I was like, I just want to talk to you on Twitter, you know? So you're not meeting at people's expectations because <laughs> people expect now to be able to communicate with local businesses via social media. Again, I'm not saying you have to do it, but it's just an expectation that is coming in society now um yeah. and i think the other thing is um you kind of might never discover how brilliant you might be at this if you just shut down from day one um and i know diane is on the call and i always give diane as a great example because when i first met diane diane was very reluctant and very reticent and now look where she is she's all over social media so you <laughs> might <loves> never <laughs> but you might never discover that you've got a genius for it and you're really really good at it if you don't embrace it um so that is that's you know, somehow, how else? The other thing is, if you've got a website and you're not using social media, how on earth are you driving traffic to your website? That's the other thing. Social media is the fuel mm. for leading people in to your website where you can give them a lot more information and enable them to engage with you a lot more and you'll practice a lot more and learn more about you and how you can help them. And if you're not running any kind of social media to drive that traffic, your website is almost redundant unless you're hoping at some point it's going to show up in Google search. But the two work hand in hand. Social media and having a website work really, really hand in hand. Um, and also, you've got to be plugged into social media in order to take advantage of some of the lowest cost and highest impact advertising that there is out there at the moment. So advertising on Facebook, advertising on YouTube, advertising on LinkedIn, is, uh, sorry, on Instagram is some of the most cost effective advertising that there is. And if you're not engaging on social media, again, you're missing that opportunity and you're handing that advantage over to your competitors. So hopefully that just gives you a little bit of fuel, kind of food for thought around not doing it. And I say, you don't have to do it. Nobody's kind of going to put a gun at your head and say you've got to do social media. But if you're not, you need to know what the consequences and what the definite downsides are. And, and is, there anything, um, is there anything you don't like about social media, Jill? I don't mean professionally. Me personally. Or any, I mean, you personally. Is there anything I hate about Facebook. social media? <laughs> what don't you like? I hate Facebook. <laughs> <laughs> It's so complicated. It drives me mad. Part, part of the problem is because people can message you in lots and lots of different ways. So I'm, I'm very badly dyslexic and I struggle organizing things when they get a bit chaotic. And in Facebook, there are so many different threads coming in from so many different places. I just feel total overwhelm when I get into Facebook. So that's my, ne Facebook is my, my total nemesis. <laughs> that's one of my big frustrations, you know, in, in, in the past, you, you had email. <clears throat> it went via email. It was all in one place. Now yeah. Facebook messages. It was just here. Twitter yeah. private messages. You got LinkedIn messages. You've got, and yeah. I just, you know, it'd be it'd be nice if someone could come up with a platform where it's all in little one little, you know, things like yeah. Hootsuite are yeah. probably the, the closest. But that doesn't bring an email, so you still got to yeah. It's, that's it. No. Yeah. That's yeah. So that's, that's me. That's just me though. But, but, but they, again, I'm still using it. It's a very powerful tool. I don't like it, but that doesn't mean to say I'm not going to use it. Yeah, absolutely. And, um, 
on, off the back of this, it seems a, a, a natural progression to go into. So one of the things that when I speak to people about social media, then they say me, they tell me they don't like, yes. apart from putting yourself out there and, and you know, mm-hmm. the, 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 the first time you do that being hot, yeah. horrifically terrifying. terrifying. One of the things I don't like is, is, is the challenge. And, you know, I often thrive on the engagement with people yes. and the challenge. And, the, you know, I find it's a great way to keep up to date, to get research put on your lap, to have discussions. And, and obviously those discussions don't always end in rainbows. And one of the things that then gets shouted at is, is this kind of online bullying, which yeah. I think is, a, is often people play that card a bit too early and it kind of brings brings us on to one of the topics we were going to talk about which was uh, as professionals using this uh, Mm -hmm. professionals with professional bodies yeah and um there's a certain sort of um code of conduct we need to adhere to so i mean absolutely what what sort of things should should we definitely not be doing behavior wise so my my kind of rule of thumb is would i talk to my granny this way If I wouldn't talk to my granny this way, I am not going to talk to anybody else on social media that way. That is my kind of insight. That's like my compass that guides me. And that's that's the measure I put against anything. If I'm in a rant and I'm like, and then I read it back and go, oh, I wouldn't say that to my granny. Delete, delete, delete. Okay. But, you, but you, you've got to be driven by your inner moral compass. And you've got to, and, and I think if you're at a point where, that compass is telling you to write awful. I mean, bullying is, there is just absolutely no excuse for it at all. And I have got zero tolerance. I'm very fortunate. None of my groups that I run have ever had anything inside, but I've got total zero tolerance for anything like that. It's just not, it's just not acceptable. Um, but I think from your, from you personally perspective, from a personal perspective, there are things obviously you need to be aware of. So things for me, like, clinical diagnosis giving out clinical um treatment i you know all that kind of clinical based stuff is really opening yourself up for potential problems online absolutely talk to people about their problems but you're giving no professional diagnosis no treatment plans any or anything like that via a social media platform um, and equally with as i say from a professional code of conduct perspective the words you use are very very powerful and the, the problem with social media as with all kind of digital things other than video is that you've got no body language to go with it people can misconstrue what you say so even if you intend to say something very positive if it can be misinterpreted in any way that is potentially gonna like you say it's not gonna end up in rainbows and glitter um it, it could <laughs> it could be a downfall so you've just got to be you've got to have a very very strong inner compass that guides you and and be very i'm trying i'm struggling for the word here that i'm trying to find um help me out here what's the word i'm looking for uh you've got to be self-moderating that's what I'm you're asking the right person I'm, I'm terrible at this <laughs> you've got to, you've got to self-moderate and the example um i i use because this was told to me by a very good friend who actually used to fly um rescue helicopters um out into the north sea um if you go out into the north sea if you paddle out into the north sea on an inflatable alligator lilo you are asking for trouble Okay, and it's the same thing on social media. If you are posting stuff that other people can misconstrue, if you are posting stuff that opens you up to litigation, you're just asking for trouble, totally asking for trouble. So just have a very, very strong internal dialogue with yourself around what is and isn't acceptable. 
that's all I can say. Let's um, let's let's come back to to the bullying bit because I, I yeah I totally agree with you. It's utterly unacceptable totally. in any in any form, in any yeah. manner. But by the same token, one of our uh, one of our codes of conduct points is that we have a duty of care to to be evidence based to put out yeah. appropriate and accurate yeah. information. So yeah. often, what I find is when when little ding dongs start, it's often someone ticking that box with their duty of and then someone else you know getting into an argument and at some point I don't think you know we're scientists I don't think professional challenge is bullying is it it isn't but this is where this is where it all comes unhinged because what you think is putting a professional opinion strongly somebody else can misconstrue as bullying and you cannot you and this is a real a real problem online I know what I mean. I know what my ethics and my values by which I operate are. I know those innately inside me. When I put something online, I cannot, cannot expect other people to operate from that same standpoint. So when I put something up there, I have to expect that other people are, or can potentially misconstrue what I'm saying. And so I'm going to have to... I would always personally hold back slightly because if there's a chance somebody's going to misconstrue what I'm saying as bullying, I don't want that. That's not who I am and how I operate. Mm. That's that's just my opinion. Yeah, but, I definitely need to, I, I definitely need to hold back more at times. Yeah, and Craig, and, you and wanted it, to talk about um, something in Australia, didn't you? The, your your, uh, your professional yeah, body. Yeah, ethics. Let, let me just share this. Um, I'm just sharing my screen. This is the, um, our professional regulatory body here in, in Australia has its social media policy. It's not too dissimilar to a lot of other organisations, but the key one here is registered health practitioners should only post information that is not in breach of these obligations by, and the fourth point, presenting information in an unbiased, evidence-based context and not making unsubstantiated claims. And... You know, I like yeah. to think I do that really well, but often people I'm discussing with are not registered health professionals and are not bound by any code of ethics. And I've, I've certainly encouraged people to lodge complaints about me to the regulatory authority because they don't like what I'm saying. <laughs> but I know, I know I'm on good grounds. And, and, yeah. And it also I think reminds that's me. It. If, if you do, you're on a, you're on a, you're, you've got a solid foundation. Yeah. If you know, you know, you've got the evidence base for what you're de- declaring online, then you're on safe ground. Yeah. If you don't, if you're BSing or yeah. just bigging yourself <laughs> up, um, you know, you, you, you're going to come unstuck. But you know that. You know that inside that you're doing well, the wrong yeah. thing. Um, but the, the, these, these guidelines are cover all the registered health professions in Australia. And there certainly are two chiropractors are currently suspended for actually breaching that part of the guidelines. Yeah. You know, so they weren't putting patients at risk, but they have been suspended no. from practice for posting, totally. yeah, which is yeah. it's scary. And the... the <laughs> The other thing that I do want to say is about private Facebook groups and Facebook chat. So both of those are part of the Facebook interface and both of those, even though it's a private group, even though you're having a private group chat, anything you say on those forums are just, they're not public, but you're still sharing that content. You're still saying those things to those people, even if it's in a private group. So do not get a false sense of security because you're inside a private group or you're inside a private chat. Okay. But you've got to be on your guard all the way through all of that stuff um, because it's, it's just as powerful and people can easily, you know, take offense and take umbridge. We, we have another situation. In a private group. 
you were in another situation here in Australia. There was an actual private, private face-to-face little wee workshop um, run by some anti-vaccination clowns. I but, love that a little wee workshop. But it was, it was only a small <laughs> group. But it was videotaped and put on YouTube. And a a a, yeah. a, a general practitioner, um, general medical practitioner, said something at that meeting that ended up on YouTube. Um, he's now suspended. Yeah. For what yeah. he said was not. Um, evidence-based nothing to do with putting patients at risk though yeah. you could extrapolate so from that so it's 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 not you know sure your clinical skills that are gonna get you in trouble yeah and, and also what's very interesting is that the the regulatory bodies are enforcing it they, they've not just written on a piece of paper they're actually enforcing it so yeah you do, do need mm. to be very mindful and just out of interest the um hcpc does have a code of contact a social media code of contact it's a nine-page document that you can download um, it's very generic and it won't teach you anything you don't know, but it's good to, I think to go and have a look at it and at least have an awareness, certainly if you're in the UK of, of what they're saying and what you need to abide by. Yeah. Yeah. I think we sometimes forget that it's easy to forget, very easy to forget. Mm. You're sitting on your laptop, you're in your lounge, yeah. you know, there's no patient no. in your lounge, you're tapping away. You forget. Yeah. And it's, so it's like here. So I'm sitting here. All I can see is three of you on my screen. I feel like there's just three of us. I don't know how many people are watching live on Facebook, but I, you know, it's very easy to get lulled into because of the technology. There's just three of us having a chat, but actually you, again, you've got to be incredibly mindful um, of everything that you commit to that medium, if you like. Absolutely. Um, did anything else you wanted to say on that before we changed topics, Craig? Was there another case oh, you I think talk about? In- briefly, was this whole concept of butthurt. You know, butthurt is not bullying. And, and <laughs> a lot of people, when you throw evidence-based stuff at them, suffer from butthurt, and then they, they want to complain about you, and, and then they resort to the usual logical fallacies, attack you rather than what you say. And Yeah, so let's move on to the next question. Yeah. <laughs> Craig, you okay, hub? You okay, hub? Um, <laughs> right. Aww, so let's, talk right. about, let's talk about the different, um, the different social media, the main, the main social media mm-hmm. channels that we use. I yes. guess the big, the big three, to my mind, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. And okay. unless you, and do, do correct me if they're not the big three. And then the kind of peripheral ones that, that get a bit of a, you know, feeding like LinkedIn, like Snapchat, etc. Mm-hmm. I mean. Where where does someone start? Do they start okay. small with one or two? Yeah, go? I've got I, yeah, I've got two rules of thumb. So first of all, where are your dream patients? Okay, it's absolutely pointless if I go over, jumped over onto Snapchat and started putting a hundred percent of my social media eggs in the Snapchat basket, and not one of my clients are on Snapchat. It's totally pointless. Okay, so that's number one, is where are your dream patients hanging out on social media? Number two, it has to be a platform where you feel comfortable and feel confident. If you're not confident, it has to be a platform where you are prepared to do some training to get confident. Okay, because if you go on, if you say, right, all of my, or a lot of my dream clients are on Instagram, for example, and you go on and you just kind of don't really, you're not comfortable, you're not confident, you, you're going to hash it, you're not going to do, you're not going to do the platform justice, you, it's not going to work for you. So you have to commit. So what I always say to people is to commit to one social media platform where your clients are and get really, really good at using that one platform. Absolutely. Go to all of the other main social media platforms, 
claim those names. So get your name on there, but in the bio link to the one social media platform where you're putting all your energy and all your time. So you've got them out there. You've claimed the names on all those platforms. So if you say, for example, you get awesome Instagram and you think, okay, this is pretty cool. I'm going to go now over and try Facebook. You've already got a profile set up. So you don't, you're not competing for the names, get the names as soon as you can. Um, but the other thing also around, you say the, the big four, um, the one you missed is YouTube. YouTube is a social yeah, media yeah. platform. Okay. So my recommendation, yeah, no. Okay. So yeah. hold on to your hats because there are big, big changes coming to YouTube pretty soon. Um, and because Google and YouTube, uh, Google owns YouTube. And Facebook and Google are in competition. So Google tried Google Plus a while ago. It didn't really work out as a social media platform. Um, certainly not in the UK. <laughs> and, um, but so YouTube are at the moment have gotten beta testing a whole social media platform inside YouTube. Um, they're beta testing at the moment and you can bet your bottom dollar if that works, they are going to roll it out worldwide. So do not turn your back on YouTube for one minute. So I recommend one social media platform as in the main four that you talked about and have a, a YouTube channel. Partly because YouTube mm, is the second largest search engine in, um, the, in the world. Oh. Just, just, um, and partly because video is the way forward. Oh, is that? Wow. Just on YouTube, um, when you get your YouTube channel, make sure yeah. you subscribe to our channel, the Podchat Live channel. So, you... Of course. Yeah, of course. Where's the red button? Click the red button to subscribe. <laughs> um, so on that note, I mean, I, I, I use most of the ones we've talked about there. Yeah. And I'll often cross post. And I, yes. I, it's interesting what you say there about, about your, where your audience is. because. Yes. Uh, my 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 audience is size wise at least are reasonably similar across the platforms, but I'll mm-hmm. put a post on Facebook, Twitter, Insta, yeah. um, YouTube, whatever it may be, and I'll mm-hmm. find that certain posts really really gets good engagement on one of those platforms and yeah. don't seem to on others, and then yeah. other posts vice versa. Yeah. Is that the audience or is that the algorithms of the actual it's um, com- sites themselves? It's a combination of both. So the algorithms, certainly on Facebook and to an extent, um, Instagram and Twitter now, they've got quite a complex algorithm going on. And even YouTube actually has got a quite a complex algorithm going on as well. So the algorithm is part of the issue, but it really is down to horses for courses. So different people like different platforms. So therefore they're different kind of personalities. So therefore they're going to engage with different kinds of content. So marketing is very much like being, and it should play to our strengths. It's like a science experiment. You know, you've got to try something on one platform and see what connects, see what gets the engagement. That doesn't work. Right. Next, try the next thing and keep going until Mm. you identify what works really well on those platforms. Um, and the other, because the other area that people are very, very poor at is looking at their analytics, looking at the data and saying, right, what is working? What isn't working? Let's do more of what is and do less of what isn't. Um, and that is, goes for all of those platforms and you'll find, and this is where cross posting doesn't generally work because what you post on Facebook will engage with a Facebook audience, won't engage with an Insta audience and vice versa. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. and also be really careful if all you're doing is cross posting. So I guess, in fact, I unfollow people. I'm a bit militant about this. So if you are cross posting from Facebook to Insta and all it comes up with, uh, sorry, the other way around, if you're cross posting from Insta to Facebook and on Facebook, it just comes up with like an Insta link or on Twitter with an Insta link. That is lazy social media marketing. Because I'm, I'm a big Twitter fan. I got on Twitter Mm. right at the beginning and I'm a big, big Twitter user. 
And I get really hacked off if pe people are lazy about t posting onto Twitter. So I unfollow them. I'm like, yep, not interested. Okay, you can't be bothered to connect with me as a Twitter user. I'm not interested in you. So yeah, so cross-posting po cross is not a great game to play if all it does is share a link. Um, if you're using something like Craig mentioned mm -hmm. Hootsuite earlier, if you're using something like a platform where you can create a post, put it in there, and then tell it to handle it slightly differently for each of the different um, platforms you're posting to, then that is fine. But if you just literally cross posting from one to another, that is a very, very lazy. Yeah, no, Hootsuite makes is, sense. Makes sense. Yeah. Hootsuite's a very powerful tool for that. It also allows me to it's, have all my daughter's social yeah. media accounts open as well, so I can keep an eye on them. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. <laughs> oh, God. I don't Does she know? Why, why... <laughs> oh, they know. Yeah. <laughs> okay, just checking. Just checking. <laughs> my, my boys are too young for this at the moment, and I, oh. I, I'm terrified. I'm terrified when they start wanting Facebook accounts. And things. It'll be a different. They, they won't want a Facebook account. It's well, like, cool. yeah, yeah, it'd be yeah. much cooler, much cooler than Facebook. Yeah. <laughs> well, when, yeah. I think I saw some um, stats a couple of days ago about how the, the that like my daughter's 11, 12, just that that age and a bit older. They just they're leaving Facebook in droves. Um, they're not going to And Facebook. this is yeah. and this is why Facebook has has done the big changes it's done very recently um, because they've they've had to shift with what their audience want because people are leaving in huge huge numbers, mm. um, and that's why they've brought in a lot of the big changes that they have a few weeks ago. Yeah. Where where are people going? Where are people going if they're leaving Facebook? Um, the numbers on Instagram are going through the roof. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, and which is worrying for Facebook. Um, well, I say worrying, maybe, because one, one of the fantastic things with um, Instagram and Facebook is they're connected for advertising, they're connected. So you can do all your advertising on both of those platforms through the, um, through the, through the Facebook advertising tool that you can use. Um, and so that makes, from a marketing perspective, that makes it very easy. Um, and so if people are jumping ship from, uh, Facebook to Insta, it, Facebook still own them because Facebook own Instagram. So it's kind of still part of the same big machine, which is fine. Mm -hmm. um, but say from a marketing perspective, it's great because the two are connected inside the advertising tool. So it does make life a bit easier for us. It's not something Talking else we've got to consider. Talking advertising, actually, just you've reminded me that um, yes. Diane, Diane sent a message just before we went yes. on live. Quick question about Facebook advertising difference between Facebook ads and yeah. boosting a post. Okay. It's, it's a bit, I'm trying to think of an analogy um, and I'm struggling. So you might need to help me out here. It's a bit, <laughs> it's a bit like being first class and second class on the train or something like that. Um, so in the eyes of Facebook, Facebook is very savvy about um, how it helps you post advertising and if all you're doing is posting boosts now boosts will get you seen but the boosts up because it's cheaper and easier to do it's not that you're not going to get the reach that you will get with advertising okay you can get some of the um what's the word the demographic connections into people to say this is who i want this post to get boosted to but in the eyes of Facebook, if you're, that is all you're doing. They see you as an unsophisticated advertiser. So if you then do 
um, a little bit of advertising, they will hold your adverts back. Your adverts will not be as successful as somebody who is going all in on advertising and just doing a little bit of boosting. So in the, I say in the eyes of Facebook, it's, they see, they're seen very much as first class and second class advertisers. Um, mm. Boosting is for novices. Advertising is for experts. All that kind of thing. Does that? I don't want to yeah. insult everybody, but that's no, no, how. It, but that, in, inside the algorithm in Facebook, that's how they view it. Um, it's I say boosting is a great way to start and to kind of get your confidence and to get that reach going. But they reckon if you're not doing somewhere between eighty and ninety percent adverts and the twenty percent boosting, then you're seen as a novice advertiser on Facebook. I had I had an interesting boosting question actually, and Ooh, personal experience, personal experience really, yes. isn't it? and I found that you know every now and then face, Facebook sends you a little notification saying, uh, "Oh, do you want to boost this post?" Yes. Um, for me, when I put a post out there that's to be doing quite well on its own, so yeah. organically yes. it hits ten, eleven, twelve thousand people reach. Yeah. They pop a little notification to me saying, this is doing really well. Why don't you boost it? Whereas if yeah. I send out a bit of a, a, bit of a doozy that, that hits yeah. two, 3,000 reach and it just, yeah. they, why are they asking me to boost the one that's already because, doing well and not, the other, and not the one that's dying? Because they know that the one that's doing well is getting engagement. And what they want on their platform is good quality content that engages. They don't want to be boosting crap because this is why people are leaving Facebook because they're getting too much crap in their feed. Um, and so that's why they ask you to boost things that are doing well because it's got track record. They already know it's going to do well. Right. It's going to engage. So they ask you to boost it because it's, you know, it's already got a tick in the box. Okay. Makes sense. Makes sense. Yeah. Just, yeah, just yeah. On, and that's on. a big thing. Facebook is coming down massively on rubbish content and they're, they're just stopping sharing any, you know, the algorithm for pages, your reach on the page now has dropped through the floor and um, because it's, purely looking at engagement how much are your posts engaging and here's the thing it's not you can't go on and have a chat with people on your page and that counts as engagement they're looking at engagement between individual users on your page not on you engaging with your audience mm -hmm. it's a huge huge difference a big shift so unless you're getting masses of engagement this is why facebook live videos are awesome because you get a lot of interaction on facebook live so that really is great for your profile inside facebook if all you're doing is putting out content and then interacting with a few people that comment in the eyes of Facebook, that is not public engagement. Yeah. Now, just on the Facebook advertising, yeah. I, I can see how for someone like what Ian and I do, PodChat Live, we can put an advertisement out. We can target people who have a job description of podiatrist. Now, when it yeah. comes to the local podiatry clinic, um, yes. something like Google AdWords, you can target um, podiatrist and say London or the city and your ad will show up yeah. targeted to people that are looking for that. The problem I have with Facebook mm -hmm. advertising for a local clinic, what keywords are you targeting? You can only target yeah. um, a gender in a certain age group in a certain geographic location. So to yeah. me, the Google AdWords is probably more expensive, but probably going to generate more or not. Like, like I just, I, the targeting for local advertising, I have a little bit of an issue with. Okay. I mean, I've seen some really great results with Facebook local um, advertising. And they are also, just out of interest, they are, I got a bit ahead of myself. I got very excited because they've launched a local um, app, Facebook app, that is going to compete with the Google My Business 
um, type thing. And so they're looking to really start promote. They know that this is a problem. They know that local businesses are struggling with the big Facebook. It, national and international businesses are fine, but local businesses are struggling. So they're, they're relaunching what has been their ev um, events app. They're, re, they're relaunching that as a local app, which includes events. So you will be able to much, much more strategically target your local audience. They're currently beta testing it in a few countries. And I've got very excited because while I was away, I was, I was using a VPN via Singapore and I could access it. So I was like, Deborah, get on, get on Facebook local. And everyone's <laughs> like, we can't find it. Why is it not in the app stores? Cause it's not here yet. Sorry. Um, but it's coming. So yes, they, it is an issue. They know it's an issue. And accordingly, they're rolling out a new, whole new Facebook interface for local. So watch this space. Because on Google AdWords, you can target people who are looking for a podiatrist on Facebook. You don't know who's looking for a podiatrist. So you can only target yeah. an area or a region. The keywords. Yeah. 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 Um, question that's just come in um, yes. from Adnan Nazir. Um, hi, Jill. What do you think to the virtual, virtual video of the patient experience from entering the door, checking with reception, entering the clinic uh, for consultation? Um, uh, you know, what are your thoughts on, on, on that as a, okay. without breaching patient confidentiality, of course. Uh, yeah, totally. I, yeah, totally. yeah. Okay. So I think it's a brilliant idea. So what you've got to do is to reduce the barrier for people coming into your practice and barriers to people coming in are fear. They're fearful of how much they're going to have to pay. They're fearful of how threatening your receptionist is going to be. They're fearful of, are they going to have to take all their clothes <laughs> off when they come into the practice? Okay. They're fearful of a lot of stuff. So if you can make a video that addresses each of those fears in a different way, you know, things like I've got friends who's very, very anxious. She's just very, very anxious. And she worries when she's going somewhere new, is she going to be able to park? Is she going to be able to find the door and get in? So if you did a video and said, Here's our clinic. Here's the car park. Here's the bus stop. This is the door you go through. She would be like, oh, right. I know where I'm going and I know what I've got to do. So if you can create mm. little snapshot videos that take people through that journey, things like what to expect on the first appointment. Okay. So if you're coming for an MSK appointment, for example, what's going to happen? Is it going to be painful? That's another fear. You know, it's all of those. So if you can address each of those fears in a little short video, you're going to start lowering that fear and lowering that barrier of entry and encourage people to come to you. So yes, absolutely. It's a great idea. Don't make it too long. Do it in short, short, short snippets. How to find our practice, how to book an appointment excuse me, how to book an appointment. What's going to happen when you arrive at the practice? What happens in an initial appointment? You know, keep them short and do lots of them rather than one long video that does this, 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 mm. and this. Yeah. Great idea. And the best, the best, uh, the best medium for that, if, if there is such a thing, is that, is that an Instagram story thing? Is that a, a series of videos on Facebook? YouTube. So get, get, get them done, get them recorded, upload them to your YouTube channel because then from YouTube, you can use them anywhere. But they're also then mm -hmm. searchable inside the YouTube search engine. Mm -hmm. Yes. So Excellent. you get a killer across the road. But, but absolutely, do, do, a, do a permanent video, get it on YouTube, share it everywhere. But then if you absolutely, if you want to do a, a, an Insta story, do that as well, but do it as a separate thing. Yeah. Mm. Got you. Um, another, another question just coming from Kylie, Kylie Williams. Um, Hi, Kylie. How the health profession... Yeah. How do health professionals find uh, more support on this? If, you know, 
if you go to a content marketer, then the marketing might go against professional standards. I mean, obviously, there's people like you. There's people Can like I you say that? Who, who Can understand. I say, come and, well, yeah. come and join me. Yeah, yeah, of course you can. <laughs> of course you can. But I mean, uh, you know, yeah. what, what sort of support is out there that, that, you know, you're very unique in that you have a foot in both camps. So yes. I guess that's why you're so evidently so popular. Yeah. Um, what, what other support? I mean, obviously, Kylie's in, in, in Australia. What, what other that's support? That's barrier. What, what would you? What would you uh, what would you advise? So the thing is, you've got to find somebody. I had this conversation with somebody yesterday. I think you've got to find somebody that you can trust. And there are a lot. I'm going to say this publicly. There are a lot of charlatans out there. There are a lot of marketing experts, people who call themselves gurus on their social media profiles. Like I'm a marketing <laughs> guru. Like seriously clear of those people um but there are some very very good small local businesses who are supporting who are i'm not talking about big marketing consultancies but there are some really good local marketing i call them experts but marketing champions for local business that's what you need you're not a big internet company you're not an international brand yet um but you are a small local business and that's where i would go to start looking for some more after you've been to see me, obviously. So <laughs> come, and, come and connect <laughs> with me on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. Jill B. Woods on Instagram and Twitter and Practice Momentum on Facebook. And, and I can certainly help you, but, but go local because then you can meet people face-to-face. Remember, no like, trust. You've got to decide if you know them, like them, and trust them before you're going to do business with them. Don't get into bed with somebody that you've just responded to a Facebook ad from. Really get to know them because this is your business. This is your baby. And it's so important that you connect with the right people who are going to help you in the right way. We all do business differently. I am not a good fit for every practitioner, every healthcare practitioner. I'm just not. I'm, I'm not the right person for everyone. Um, but equally, you know, don't just go with the first person that you come across. But do your due diligence um, and but try go local because there are some really great, really, really great businesses out there supporting local business. Definitely. Actually, I mean, and I think I've got a little, sorry, little I got a little criticism for you. While you oh. said that I just Googled Jill B. Woods and yeah, your Twitter account and everything did come up, but your website didn't. No, it's, my website isn't Jill B. Woods. It's JillWoods.com. Yeah, I know. I found, I found it. Yeah. <laughs> but, oh, okay. yeah. But it's still, yes. I, I see it would be nice. You would have liked that to yeah, come yeah. up as well and searching for Sorry. it. Sorry. It's okay. I just... The that other thing, that that earlier, just, is, go, no, go um, on. Be, Sorry. Go on. I was going to say, you know, if we find, so, just to Kylie's point that we're worried about that professional standard, if we find someone local who isn't like you, who, who isn't yeah. a health professional as well, I guess that's, that's our job to say, right, let's really, really gem up on those social media policies from our own perspective. Yeah. Uh, so that we can make sure that we're we're, we're doing what 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 is yeah. most appropriate. Yeah, absolutely. And I and you know it doesn't take long. As I say, that like the HCPC, it's a nine page document. You could give that to somebody; they could learn that in ten minutes. You know, it's not mm. a big job to give somebody the tools to help you. Yeah, yeah. Perfect. She just on the um, Facebook local, we've just had a comment from um, Sue Bamber that she's had an invite to via Facebook. <gasps> the Facebook. Oh, where is she? Um, is she I'm Australia. Just, I'm just actually looking up. Yeah, yep, in the UK. Yeah. Oh, UK! Oh, fantastic! So she's had an invite oh. to Facebook local, so they must, must be they must be rolling it out. It's on its way. Yeah, it's on its way. It's it's going to be. It's really going to make a really really going to make a big difference. I think for local local practices, definitely. 
Yeah. I might fall slightly in love with Facebook if they get it right. (laughs) The other thing I wanted to mention about how, how, we use social media and we talk about sort of marketing, uh, you know, feeling like historically feeling like it's been sold. The way I first started using it many years ago was actually, it was very selfish. It was actually, I was, I was taking a lot more from it than I was giving. So I was following, I was following key people of influence. I was, you know, following journals and things. And just, just in the last few months, um, Christian Barton and one of his colleagues uh, uh, published in the British Journal of Sports Medicine, an article which uh, the title was something like in, in research there's always been this saying um publish or perish which basically <laughs> means if you if, you, if you're not if you're not generating work you're, you're going to become obsolete yeah and, and yeah, the yeah. title of this, um, the title of this was should we change publish or perish to be visible or vanish and they essentially okay. put forward a really good case for for why we sh- why we should be on social media yeah. with regard to its role in not, um sort of research translation which i know we've spoken about in previous episodes with kylie with emma cowley and things yeah. i think that's that's a massive massive plus point for it so I, I always say to people if you don't want to get on there and have yourself on video and promote your business that's okay but you should still be on there because yeah. for the first few years i was on I was on these things. I was, I was taking, taking, taking. And, and I think they're just utterly invaluable. And I can't see that side of things changing unless you, you, you know, different. No, no, not at all. And I, I think I go back to what I said right at the beginning when, you know, I was answering that question about why, what's the real downside to not doing it. It is, but without doubt, the best communication tool we've ever had. You know, we can connect with literally, I was in the Nepali jungle, for goodness sake, you know, you can literally connect with anybody anywhere, almost, with some exceptions, but pretty much. Um, And therefore, so this whole, as a platform to have that professional dialogue, it's really powerful, because we can connect with all sorts of people we never even knew existed before. Um, and so for that reason alone, absolutely, you know, use it as a professional tool. If you, even if you're not going to use it as a marketing tool, use it to make those professional connections and find people who can help influence your clinical practice, even if you're not going to use it as a, as a marketing mm. tool. Definitely, definitely. Hey, Sharp, well, I'm a little conscious of the yeah, time. Perhaps we could totally move, move on to the, um, the role. Yeah. We see the professional organized associations and organizations mm. in all of this. Um, yeah. Like I, I did a little bit of homework yesterday on this, and I, I looked at quite a few um, national associations from different countries, and looked at the sort of things they were posting, and looked at who their followers were, and I, I thought they were a little bit misguided. A lot of them were posting like generic foot health information, but most of their followers and friends were members, or that they weren't the general public. Who, who you know, so I just wonder what you comment on what you think the role of the professional associations are on, on social media. Okay. I, 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 two th- I'm going to put my neck on the line here. I'm going to say pretty much. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> pretty, I'm going to raise my head above the parapet. Pretty much on the whole, professional bodies do social media very badly because they not they don't have the skill set but they don't understand why they're using it and that's what you need to fundamentally understand is why are we using it now they are membership organizations so their role is to serve their members and to support their members so as far as putting stuff out on social media absolutely they're the professional body and they have a public face 
but they also have a, a, a kind of a responsibility to support their members. And so I think putting information out that's targeted at members is should be their primary objective on social media. But I also think they could facilitate and help their members by providing digital training. So I was talking to somebody down at the Society of Properties and Podiatrists in the UK. Um, it was a few months ago now, actually. It was back end of last year. And we were talking about digital skills. And there is a shocking digital skill gap. There are people, members of the society, who still don't know how to use email. So I think the, the professional <laughs> bodies have now, whether that's just an excuse or whether they do actually don't know how to use email, but, but that's not the point. The point I want to make is I think the professional bodies, if they have that information and they know some of their membership are struggling with a tool that could really help them professionally, then they have a duty to look at providing some training and support to help their members develop that skill set. Um, from a promoting the profession perspective which gets a lot of people hot under the collar um i think it's down to the practitioners i think if you think about how and again i'm probably going to get shot down for this but how loud one voice is so the society has one facebook page the society has one twitter account okay you can only put so much content out on those two channels if every podiatrist in the uk even once a day posted something on social media that said, this is what a podiatrist does in one form or other, that would be something like 13,000 social media posts every day. The society cannot do that. Okay. So my feeling is the society, the professional body should be supporting their members to get digital skills. They should be supporting their members by putting out content on their social media profiles that is aimed at members and not all at the, at the general public. And the membership need to actually take some responsibility for promoting their individual professions and proactively do something every single day on social media to push out a consistent message. That's my opinion. I, I, I agree totally. totally agree. I think, totally agree. I think what the professional organisation should be doing is looking at who their followers are on Facebook and, and Twitter. Yeah. And when you look at who they are, it's they are their members. They are their mm. people. So I, I, I was in a discussion with the CEO of one national body, and I almost suggested that their Facebook page should be her diary. You know, today we met yeah. with and we did this. Um, tomorrow we're heading off to, to meet with a certain politician. So it, it, their audience are their members on Facebook. Mm. It's not the general public. So it's not about putting out generic foot health messages because the no. general public aren't going to see them. No, but equally they could get very, very sophisticated about how they use social media to build relationships. So, you know, lobbying in parliament, all of that kind of stuff, those connections can be made and reinforced on social media. And so there is absolutely, you know, it, sh it doesn't just have to be about supporting the members. It can be about connecting with and, and communicating with influencers, but they need to have a strategy. They need to be more sophisticated about how they're doing it. So the tools are there to be used, but you've got to have a strategy. You've got to have a workforce who understand it and are trained. And then you've got to have a strategy in order to put it into practice to actually grow that part of your social media um, program. Yeah, as part, as part of the doing a bit of homework, I'd looked at the Twitter account of uh, a, um, one national organisation, well, one here in Australia, and just looked at who their followers were. And it was actually quite interesting because there was the CEO of the Australian Medical Association was a follower on Twitter. You know, there were CEOs of other key health professional organisations yes. were following them. I think, well, yeah, they're your audience as well, not yeah, necessarily absolutely. the general public. <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I think I think they could be doing it a lot smarter, a lot cleverer, for sure. Definitely. Um, la- last question, uh, Jill, <gasps> if that's okay. okay. Yes. Uh, and um, and that is, where where is all this going in the future? Because it, it, without doubt, you look at most of us, uh, certainly, I guess, us three uh, and most of the people watching, and I, I'm of an era where I grew up without the internet and without social media, and I sort of had to learn it and teach it to myself. Whereas the, the next generations of podiatrists, mm. our 18-year-olds, our 19-year-olds, uh, yeah. Before they've even long before they've thought about podiatry or whatever career, they've had a phone in their hand with Snapchat, with Insta. They they they're coming to the game pre-armed, which none of us ever yeah. did. So, w- what changes in the future? I mean, to my mind, the reason I've tried to stay so uh, on the ball with this stuff is because otherwise, these hot shots are coming through, and immediately we're we're done for. We're you know we've got Dinosaurs. no. We need to keep up with these kids, right? Um, but but ultimately it can only get easier in, in the future. So we, we, we worry about, you know, do you think our professional bodies are going to sort of have a really, really easy time in the future because there'll be so many people, so many more people using it already? Yeah, I think, I think we, we've lived through a big transition mm-hmm. for sure. You know, we, we've come from zero. You know, when I did my dissertation at university, we used the library. You know, there was, <laughs> there was, no, there was no internet to do research. And I typed my dissertation you know I didn't like do it even on a word processor I did on a typewriter Craig was in a a cave when he did his (laughs) (laughs) so so for sure we've we've lived through and experienced a big big transition but I don't underestimate what's coming I think I think we're still going and it's it's only getting faster the pace of change is only getting faster and bigger and faster and bigger and this is why I really feel very strongly that the people we need to make sure our clinicians are digitally skilled now because the boat this this boat is sailing and if you're not already on the boat you're going to have a hell of an uphill climb to get to the point where you need to be to stay connected Mm. um and things like virtual reality you know at the moment it's not there yet but the vr community is a massive and the technology is getting bigger and smarter and cleverer and for sure that is coming um, audio, audio. So this is a big thing at the moment about Alexa and Alexa skills and all the sort of, um, all the, everybody's jumping on bandwagon with these home hubs and that you can talk to and all that audio stuff <laughs> that is going to be big too. Um, so, uh, you know, so things around, um, being savvy with, so people are shy about video, start with audio, get used to hearing, you know, people say, oh, I don't like the sound of my voice. Just over it you know start with audio start doing audio podcast you've just got to look at the explosion of podcasting how much that has really taken off in the last few years um so yeah i think we've lived through big transition but do not underestimate this is still going this is still rolling we've not reached steady state there will be a new facebook in 10 years time we won't nobody will be using facebook in 10 years time there'll be something else or facebook will have evolved itself into something completely different to move with the times um, so I, I don't have a I don't have a crystal ball. I can't tell you what is actually coming, but I just know it's going to keep going. You know, this this momentum is really it's going. Yeah, great. I think thanks. You John. don't have to like social media, but you got you got to do it. Craig, one more question. I've actually got sure, one more. One, okay, one question. Yeah. <laughs> Craig, uh, Jill. I, I, Yes. How, uh, how do you think we're doing with Podchat Live? What, what's your professional? Oh, I, love I love it. 
<laughs> oh, good. Oh, thank goodness. No, I'll tell you what. I tell you what I love. I love the fact it's just getting people talking. It's giving people a platform to have these conversations in public easily in their own time they can watch it later you know it's it's just yeah it's great and more of this kind of stuff is really going to build bring people out of their mouse holes build, bring them online get them going give them some of the digital skills no i think it's great i think it's great more more the merrier okay <laughs> on that <laughs> note um, no, th- thanks so much joel i'll just um share my screen to point everyone towards your twitter page oh, this is there it me. is this is me <laughs> this is what i do so um, I'm sure Jill will be happy to connect with people. I have been following your 365 daily doses. Ah, okay, cool. 206. That's, I do too, I do too. Yeah. And of course, yeah. there's also your website. Um, so I'm sure <gasps> people can find you. Oh, also. look at you there, look at that. <laughs> so once again, th- thanks so much, Jill. I think the, the feedback we've been... It's a pleasure. Um, no curly Thank questions. You, so um, thanks, Ian. Thanks, Jill. Cool.